The landscape of North America's networks is rapidly evolving. New technologies like 5G carry a lot of promise to redefine the way we do business, learn, and connect with one another. But we're not there just yet. From the budget to build, software to secure, and Spectrum to support all use cases regardless of locale, a lot needs to happen before everyone can tap into its fullest potential. Tune in to Nokia today, where we discuss how policymakers, enterprises, and industry leaders are working together to bring today's network capabilities to scale for the future. Welcome to Nokia Today. I'm your host, Shelby Skirhawk, and today I am thrilled to welcome a real thought leader in technology, Fouad Siddiqui, a senior partner and vice president of Nokia Bell Labs Consulting. There, he leads a team of futurists looking into global macroeconomics, new market models, and value creation strategies. Fouad, welcome. Thanks, Shelby. Delighted to be here. So today, we're talking about uh, digitalization in a post-COVID world. So, of course, you know, back in January this year, Nokia released a white paper titled The Big Inversion, How 5G Plus Technologies Will Create New Value for Industries in a Post-COVID World. In it, you discuss the wide technological disparity between digital industries like communications and physical industries like construction. So first off, will you explain the 70-30 ratio of information and communications technology investment as laid out in the Bell Labs Consulting Big Inversion White Paper? Yeah, thanks, Shelby, and thanks for the opportunity. I think it's a very opportune time for the industry as lots of technological advancements are happening, confluence of lots of technological factors, economic, social factors all coming together. And I think that's the reason we decided to put out our, our, our big inversion paper. But before I get to the 70-30 answer, I'd like to begin by reminding ourselves of the, what the pandemic has done to us in that context, because it has massively disrupted our lives of businesses. But what it has also done is ushered in this era of accelerated digitalization that has not only the potential to enhance industrial growth and profitability, but also benefit a society and economy. And, and so when we discuss in the industry, there is almost no debate on the need to digitalize and transform. But what is less apparent is what would it take to realize an inclusive, resilient, and a very successful in future for all of us? And as you rightly pointed out, we have been at Bell Labs vigorously talking about this disparity that existed between across industry sectors. Those that had invested in their digital supply infrastructures were very able to very immediately respond to the huge spike in demands at the onset of the pandemic. They were able to unlock latent demands and create new demands. And But look at this example, online retailers, e-commerce, web services companies were all very successful in addressing this big spike in demand for these online goods and services. But on the other hand, physical industries, you would remember in the early days of the pandemic, the demand for personal protection equipment, ventilators, they all showed up in the US. However, the PPE manufacturers were not initially able to meet up, keep up with the demand because they, they lacked the ability to rapidly scale up their supply at a commensurate level. And that's the new imperative. We believe that it's going to be all about the speed and scale with which we can respond. And digital industries such as online retail, media, banking, they have largely realized this potential. But physical industries like manufacturing, healthcare, transportation, logistics, energy, you name it, they, they today lag significantly. 
And today, the ratio of information and communication technology investments between digital and physical industries is the 70-30 ratio that you talk about. Even though the proportion of the respective GDP contribution and the workforce employment is 30-70. And this is the disparity for the, the inversion that we talk about. We, and, and so what we have to think about is this physical industry, which represents the 70% of our physical world or, or GDP, we have to enhance the increase the ICT investments and, and, and enable this aggressive adoption of 5G plus technology so that they can establish this supply side readiness, transforming themselves in this augmented physical industry. And this transformation is what we call will result in the big inversion. So you mentioned 5G, 5G plus. Now we've heard a lot about 5G, but I don't think people are as familiar with the concept of 5G plus. Can you uh, elaborate on that? Yeah, so um, 5G plus is a term we coined um, talking about 5G and associated technologies that has the collective economic and social promise uh, towards consumer and businesses alike. So think of 5G plus as this, um, high performance, super intelligent, ultra resilient network where networks, cloud and applications all come together and they co-reside at the edge in a decentralized, massively distributed instances close to where the action is. So where proximus to you, the end user or where the service need is emerging. And this design, I think it's important to note is a big architectural shift in how we have built networks in the past where intelligence was largely centralized in a right. command and control structure. But now we are looking at harnessing the intelligence in, in a decentralized autonomous 5G network that work hand in hand with key technologies such as edge cloud infrastructure, augmented intelligence, machine learning, private network, advanced sensors and robotics. And these technologies in our mind will have to act in concert, increasingly accessible on demand as a service to digitalize, digitalize our economy at speed, simplicity and scale. But, uh, but Shelby, I think uh, this is where I think, it, this is the technical or functional description I, I, what I've given you, but maybe to make it interesting um, for, your, for your audience, perhaps I can share an analogy, an example uh, that would be a little bit better to crystallize this whole concept. I was looking into this research topic around advanced cognition and was drawn into this question, what makes an octopus a super intelligent? fascinated to learn on the anatomy design and the cognitive capabilities of the octopus. Mm -hmm. And it wouldn't be a stretch, honestly, for me to compare the workings of 5G plus to the sophisticated anatomical and biological architecture of the octopus. So if you and your audience bear with me for a few <laughs> minutes, I'll try and explain because I think then you will have a very clear perspective of 5G plus and how the octopus sort of maps. Definitely. So one of the key reasons uh, why octopuses are so intelligent is the way the nervous system is, is structured or how it operates. Most other animals, even humans, their nervous system is very centralized. But them in octopus, they're decentralized and they're wired in such a way that they have these command and control outposts. And, and think of these as distributed brains sitting at the edges. When the octopus, for example, see, taste, smell, hear or do something, that perception data is intelligently processed locally at the outposts instead of being routed back to the central brain function for processing. These intelligent brain outputs are similar to what we call the edge cloud functions in the 5G plus architecture. And this 5G plus edge, com uh, edge compute, just like octopus brain outputs, enables localized processing for latency sensitive applications such as robotics control, 
uh, in a factory, or you can think of immersive augmented reality applications or edge-enabled self-driving type use cases. So that's one example of the distributed um, nervous system. So I think if, uh, if I can somehow share with you a little bit further, because this is one leg of the, um, the 5G+, Plus, which is the distributed edge architecture and how that is set up. Octopus also have a very large number of receptors and sensors on their skins and the arms, uh, and in some cases, tens of thousands per square inch. An octopus arm can literally taste and feel while simultaneously assisting in auditive and visual perception. So imagine this multiplicative effect of eight arms, all of that sensory data coming in at once and instant responses are required. So that requires a pretty low latency, high capacity networking to, 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 to make that work. So in our 5G plus term, we think of it as eight high capacity deep fiber links with high capacity bandwidth radio at the edges all connecting these sensory relay stations to the uh, main control center. So that's another component of the 5G+. The third one I like to point out is this incredible ability for Octopus to prioritize, compartmentalize, and multitask to address mission-critical needs. They can carry out individual tasks with each arm as, as easily as they can um, do things in unison towards accomplishing one task. This is just like secure private 5G networks where we can allocate dedicated cloud network functions for the most critical task and orchestrate between private networks and interwork between public and private networks to deliver on the stringent business service level agreements. And finally, and I'd be amazed to, uh, to hear this, is the ability of an octopus to abstract its brain function for advanced cognition, for higher order thinking and learning, and this scale to learn, adapt, and grow through reinforcements and through observation of other octopuses surrounding is very similar. That you'll see how 5G Plus mimics the advanced forms of, of octopus architecture intelligence, where a number of associated technologies act together to enable something extraordinary, which is the next phase of our human industrial transformation. Shelby, so that's really the analogy that I wanted to share with you. That's a fantastic analogy and, and a great way of understanding how all of this comes together. When we talk about the industry sectors, can you give examples of how uh, industry sectors are transforming and I guess which industries have made the most progress and, and how they're really creating new value? Yeah, indeed. And I think as, as I touched briefly about the, the digital mature industries who have, who have invested in the supply side infrastructure and the, the, the physical industries, but within even physical industry, there have been some that are leading and some that are lagging. But let me give you a couple of sectoral examples uh, so to crystallize the, the thinking. Let's start with agriculture. I mean, look at the global population, which is projected to reach 10 billion by 2050. United Nations already estimate that 10% of our current global population go hungry. One third of the food we produce each year is wasted. And we can't simply clear, keep clearing more farmlands and use more pesticides. We need to feed more people and in a much more sustainable way. And one of the ways we do this in the industry, could do this in the industry, is by increasing the efficiency of our food production through smart agriculture. And one ele element of that is precision farming. This is something we've talked about in the paper as well, using 5G plus technologies such as wireless remote monitoring, private networks, digital sensors, and AI-based analytics to minimize pesticides, fertilizer, water usage, and maximize yields 
is totally within, within reach. In fact, my team at Balance Consulting Macroeconomics Practice have estimated that if 15 to 25% of all farms adopted precision farming by 2030, it would lead to an increase in yield of up to 300 million tons a year, a reduction in farming costs of up to $100 billion and a reduction in water use of up to 150 billion cubic meters annually. And considering that food systems are currently responsible for 20 to 30% of global greenhouse gas emissions and 70% of biodiversity loss, smart agriculture could kickstart a new form of digital transformation for the entire food industry. But here's the point though, we have to apply this, this constellation of 5G plus technology so we can do a global optimization that allows us to produce exactly the right amount of food and exactly the right time and exactly where it's needed and when it's needed. And that's the beauty of 5G plus that you can sort of create that global optimization at scale. So that's really the example I would get from, give you from a food agriculture sector and the upside promise. Um, and if you allow me, I, I'd like to also talk a little bit about maybe manufacturing uh, from our own experience at Nokia. Another, I think, sector which is in the leading category of the physical, I would think, think is the manufacturing sector. And the reason is we have, by implementing some of these 5G plus technologies, we are seeing um, an enormous potential to enhance um, productivity, efficiency, safety, and resiliency in some of these industries. In, in our own Nokia factories, we, we ventured out on this program called the Nokia Conscious Factory a few years ago, where the vision was to start to think about what a factory of the future will look like. And we came up with this concept that we need to build an agile, self-optimizing, autonomous manufacturing and supply network. And we have been very successful in this journey. I'll share with you some, some insights on that. And also for your audience to know that Nokia Conscious Factory has also been recognized as part of World Economic Forum Global Lighthouse Projects. So what we did there, we started to incorporate on a, in a road mapping way what 5G plus application and, and rollout would look like. We implemented some of these technologies to enable extreme robotics automation where software-defined reprogrammable machines can dynamically orchestrate remote tasks and manage autonomous vehicles using supply logistics. Uh, we used massive scale sensing for safety, meaning using multimodal sensors that allow flexible placement, mobility, geolocalization of equipment. Because if you, if you think about how humans and machines have to work together, you need to have that sort of sensing capabilities to make sure safety is of paramount importance. We, we also enabled at the back of it augmented cognition and control for high fidelity digital twin service. All of, all of this because we were able to enable this new form of human augmentation. And all of these systems were connected by a fi private 5G network and overseen by this augmented workforce capable to interact, diagnose, control, manipulate, assemble, a, a whole slew of factory tasks, all remotely. And you can see what, why that matters in the context of pandemic. We were able to keep our operations going and all of these sophisticated functions were able to be performed remotely. And, and from an economic perspective, this site has seen a 30% year over year improvement in productivity. It has experienced efficiency gains through the reduction of robot lead times by 80%, and it has reduced staff floor time by 20%, leading to greater worker safety. 
So you can see it's all coming together. If we do this intelligent application, time the transformation right, look at the, the, the demand profiles of each of these industries, I think there is a lot of upside for all of us to collectively harness from 5G plus technologies. The concept of human augmentation is fascinating and it's interesting to, to look at the possibilities there. Um, when we talk about the benefit realization of 5G plus and ultimately the, the big uh, inversion, what are the biggest risks and opportunities there? And, and I guess, how do you see the evolving industry ecosystem and competitive landscape really coming together? Yeah, I think Shelby, this is a really, really important question for all of us. And I think all the answers are not clear, but I think there is there is enough for us to be able to come together and start to come up with new types of cooperation model. Let me explain what I mean. So we, we are beginning to see this merger of our digital and physical worlds, as we've talked about, and their interdependence is driving these new novel market opportunities. We've seen we're seeing renewed ICT 5G investments happening. We're also seeing how competitive landscape is changing. Traditional competitors are becoming partners and partners are becoming competitors. An ecosystem is changing. An example, we have telco, uh, the telco industry who have invested in 5G. They are trying to make the best of how they can maximize um, and, and monetize on their 5G investments. They are looking at spinning off some of their assets which are considered non-core. On the other hand, web scale companies are boldly venturing into local turfs with cloud offerings. We have tower companies who are eyeing new opportunities with new edge play. Industrials and enterprise thinking of building private networks and enterprise application community, which are really eager to unlock the power of 5G platforms so they can innovate with new services because the 5G itself, it starts to offer itself as a platform they can expose the underlying assets in a new way so that the application providers can create new breakthroughs of, of applications and service innovation. So that's really when it comes to look at the, the, the playing field, the number of players playing, the, 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 the sometimes uh, complementary, sometimes augmented interest around all of this, that has to be looked at. In addition to this, the need to pivot can also be assessed from the shifting trends and the market uh, preferences because that's changing and that expectations have to be kept in mind. So what do I mean by that? We are moving away from this era of when we used to do mass production to an era of mass personalization. Hmm. We really have to understand each consumer, the enterprise needs. So moving from that mass production to mass personalization, we are moving from this notion of buying to renting or leasing, meaning Instead of paying upfront, we need to go into this model where we invest as you go, which is outcome-based. We are moving from this era of manual operation to augmented operation. So if you consider all of this, I have no doubt in my mind that 5G plus and this emerging technologies will be a forcing function for the industry to consider these, what I call this new innovative cooperation model for new value capture. And and, and I can reference here Nokia's uh, new purpose, because as you may have come across, we've created this, this brand new purpose statement. We're calling it, we create the technology that helps the world act together. And that is our new purpose as an organization. If we don't collectively work and act together as an industry, I'm afraid we will not be able to maximize and democratize this true promise and the new value creation and capture that is ahead of us. So that's really how I see the opportunities and the risk and how 
the, the, the landscape is shifting and how we have to work together and, 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 and drive for some of this uh, value creation. Well, uh, you know, with that value creation, you've, you've touched on this a bit, but uh, how will 5G plus impact ICT spending in the future and, and really bolster the global economy? Yeah, and uh, you're right. I think as we discuss in the context of physical industries, the so 5G plus will, in will increase physical industries ICT spend as enterprises begin to realize productivity and resilience efficiency gains. It will also channel ICT spending into new areas, as we talked about with 5G+, such as AI, ML, video analytics, sensing, robotics, etc., which are the major contributors to these gains. And we project that ICT spend will grow up to $6 trillion in 2030, and 5G+, or 5G plus enabled ICT spend will account for 75% of it. So in summary, I think the potential for value, uh, for value realization will be through a few things, which is number one, productivity gains in enterprises, because as the examples I, we talked about, the agriculture, manufacturing, and it applies to a whole host of industries. As we deploy some of these new technologies, there will be this potential to increase safety, productivity, and efficiency. And I think that delivers a certain financial imperative for transforming these industries. So that's number one. Number two, we will definitely see um, a emergence of new types of job, creation of new jobs, better jobs, higher wages, and that will have an if impact and effect to our social and economic fabric. And we will also uh, see an increase in revenues for government as we start to institute the right types of policies and incentive for industries to drive. So there will be this cyclic effect in our industry, which will induce new benefits. And we expect what, with this formulation of this economic equation driven by 5G plus will contribute significantly to the global GDP. But at the end of the day, it, it all really comes back to the point that I made earlier, that there is this real promise ahead of us, but we, it requires us to act together to broker this New, uh, this, this new value, and, and that really requires this business model innovation, this new thinking, this embracing and adoption of this future 5G plus architecture. And, and this is important, the move, uh, to move with urgency and to time our transformation in, in view of these changing needs that we've talked about. So Shelby, that's really how I see the impact uh, to the global economy as well, and it will have a really multiplicative effect. Well, fantastic insight uh, from you today, Fouad. Uh, is there anything else that you want our listeners to be sure to understand? Yeah, I think, as, as I said, I think uh, we, 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 we know that we have been through a tough time in 2020 when the pandemic came. Um, 2021 isn't easy, but there's no point of overthinking. I think the promise of the future is real. The, the promise the technology is creating is real. Uh, it is real, real opportunity for us as industry actors to come together and and work this uh, this magic and 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 deliver the value to our society and economy at large. So I think we have to be really optimistic uh, going into this. Well, that does it for this episode of Nokia today. My guest today has been Fouad Siddiqui. Fouad, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Shelby. Great talking to you. Thank you listeners for tuning in to this episode of Nokia Today. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes. You'll find it on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast app of your choice. Until next time, 
I'm Shelby Skirhawk. 